Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Matthew Wright Show on Crucible of Broadcast Excellence. Talk Radio. Put it on and keep it on. Too busy to catch us on the afternoons on talk radio. Too many children to care for. Too many jobs to manage. Well, never fear. Help is here in the shape of the Matthew Wright podcast, where we cut down three hours of entertainment and enlightenment every afternoon into tiny bite-sized morsels just for you, you busy so-and-so. So sit back and enjoy the best of the Matthew Wright Show here on talk radio. They're talking about a man, a Pakistani national, who had been deported from this country despite um, a court ruling that the Home Office's attempt to deport him was illegal. So what we've got is essentially a man put on a plane. I think there were 70 other people being uh, deported on that flight. Uh, it was destination was uh, Pakistan, as I understand it. And then we had to fly him back again. Now, apart from the enormous amount of stress that this individual would have gone through, what about the costs? And there are other questions as well. What if we'd had to deport this man to a country, uh, perhaps a country where he may have been at risk or of danger of persecution yeah, and point. such like? We might never have seen him again. Uh, here to discuss uh, is a barrister right at the centre of this story, Rahana Popol, and she joins us on the line now. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Um, could you? I, I understand uh, you're, you're a little unwell, so I'm going to make this as, as quick and pain-free as I can for you, Rahana. Um, tell us, uh, how did this case originally go to court? Why, why was it moved to court in the first place? Essentially what happened is we submitted um, what we call further submissions of further evidence about his human rights. Essentially, he's married to a British national right. and is a carer for her, along with um, his mother-in-law who has dementia. Right. And he's a full-time carer for both of these individuals. Despite this, the Home Office held him in detention and tried to deport him without considering our evidence. We had to apply for an emergency injunction, which is essentially an application made outside of court hours. So this is about eight, nine o'clock in the evening, asking them to remove him from the flight. We had tried consistently to tell the Home Office you can't remove him, but they refused to engage. Over what period of time, Rahana? Um, over about three or four days when right. we were first told, because we were only told three days beforehand... And so throughout that time, right up to the final moment, we tried to tell him, you're not allowed to do this, please stop. But there was no engagement on behalf of the Home Office at all. We were left with basically no choice at all. And we then had to obtain an emergency injunction. Madness. The real, the real bit that's very concerning is that once we obtained the emergency injunction, Myself and the solicitor instructing me ensure that the Home Office were fully aware. So there's a unit called Command Control, right. 
And we, and at that point, it's now 10 past 10. He's on the airplane, wheels on the ground, but still on the tarmac at Heathrow. And so we send a command control, right. which will tell the pilot. And we tell him, and we know they know, yet they still remove him. <sighs> Entirely in breach of a court order. Now... If if I may, is there a sanction, and we're going to come on to the costs for taxpayers uh, at at the end of this, but is there a sanction for government, for the Home Office, to to break a court order, knowingly? Um, Breaching a court order deliberately is contempt of court, and it can carry a custodial sentence. That's what I thought. Whether or not we can hold a minister, and this isn't preach Patel personally liable, well, that's a complicated legal question. It hasn't been done in as far as I know, in recent years at all. That's problem number one. Problem number two also comes along when we think about the incredible cost. Because after he was deported, which we weren't told, we only found out when the the client called us from Pakistan saying they deported me. That's the first you heard about, that the plane... Mm -hmm. Several hours later, it wasn't that we were told by the Home Office. And then... We contact the Home Office, and I've got to give credit where it's due. As soon as we told them, they said, okay, we'll sort it. Sometimes they deny it or we have issues and we have to do what's called a bring-back order. In this instance, it wasn't as much pushback as there normally is. But the bit that's very concerning is, in this instance, this was a human rights appeal. So the stakes are not that high in comparison to a protection or an asylum right. appeal. So somewhere we might have, say, a, a homosexual man or woman at risk of being repatriated to a country where uh, homosexuality is punished by death. Exactly. Or a really good example yeah. would be, for example, we have diplomatic relationships with a country like Pakistan. Yeah. We could find a way to resolve this. But imagine in the alternative, we had a person who was a Kurdish separatist movement uh, person from iran where we don't have good diplomatic relationship imagine if we'd removed him and found out at that point we probably would never have seen that client again he would have been incarcerated instantly the moment he would have hit iran or the iranian authorities got a hold of him which we we, i guess makes clear the point that uh the, the Home Office attitude, if, if that's the right word to use here, um, is is clearly wanting. What, what, what kind of costs are we talking about? Kevin and myself were astonished. I think we were talking about Jamaican deportations. Yeah. And we were hearing there were like something like, was it four or more guards per person being deported? And so the, yeah. the flights, which sounded like they were empty with 25 or 30 people being deported, actually had more than 100 on when you counted all the security people. It is. The cost is incredible and people would not believe the cost and that's part of the what reason what kind of figure what, 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 where are we what kind of figures involved it's thousands <sighs> and it can run tens of thousands if you include the point of when they're in detention and the build up to it it, yeah. it easily goes into the tens of thousands um, and each flight is in excess of thousands of pounds because these are charter flights, they're not standardised commercial flights that are taken off regardless with a private company bearing the cost. These are charter flights organised by the government to take these people To away. take, in this case, two British citizens' carers away yeah. from... Yeah. What, what does this say? I, 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 last question, Rana, because I, I know you've got to go uh, and we're coming up to the news, but you, you, you're having to deal with these situations on a regular basis. Theresa May, when she was Home Secretary, introduced the hostile environment. It seems very much to my ears that that hostile environment is, is still existent. Um, is that what you're seeing as well? 
absolutely nothing's changed in the last few years even under Sajid Javid, where there was this indication of reconciliation and not a hostile yeah. environment, and the word was used, compliance. That's right. Nothing has actually changed. It's very much the same. The Matthew Wright Show on Talk Radio. Today's Guardian um, carries a report from the Royal College of Paediatrics and Child Health, which I have to say didn't produce much by way of surprise for me, but it does um, reaffirm a rather grim picture of rising violence, drug use and mental health problems amongst uh, younger people in England, um, meaning that society is in danger of failing a generation, this according to those doctors. Um, The UK is lagging behind most other European countries on measures including infant mortality, um, and uh, it also has to be said that a separate uh, report that's come from Childline um, has found, and this is just shocking, that in 2018-19, 653 children under 11 contacted their helpline with suicidal thoughts and feelings. That is an increase of 87% since 2015-2016. Could it be these young people uh, feel more enabled to report their concerns? That may be one explanation. What we do know is the Royal College study claims to be the largest ever compilation of data on the health of babies, children and young people in the UK. So we need to take note of its findings and I'm delighted to say the co-author of the report, uh, paediatrician Dr Ronnie Chong, joins us now. Good afternoon to you, Ronnie. Good afternoon. Um, As I said in my introduction, nothing here that really genuinely surprised me, just a sort of confirmation of of the rather grim picture that we've seen, well, played out uh, amongst young people in this country today. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right, sadly. Uh, I think we, we did actually did the first version of this report three years ago, yeah. and, and some of our findings three years later are sadly no better, and in fact, uh, in many cases, a lot worse. So immunisation rates have fallen now for uh, across all the early childhood immunisations. Childhood obesity continues to be to increase, and particularly so amongst more deprived areas. Uh, and worst of all, I think, actually, most, most alarming of all is the rise in uh, recent rise in, in infant mortality. So actually, this is a, an indicator that essentially never rises in uh, wealthy nations like ours. It, and when it happens, it's a real kind of canary in the coal mine situation. It's telling us that there's something uh, really drastic going on with not just the health of children, young people, but actually the health of the nation overall. You've, you've thrown me a bit of a curveball with vaccination, which I've perceived the sort of fall off of vaccination being uh, middle class mums thinking they know more than highly trained doctors after reading a few uh, dodgy reports on, online. And, but by and large, I was anticipating you were going to say that if there was a common thread linking most, if not all, of the different grim scenarios you've identified, it would be austerity and poverty. But the, the, the vaccination thing, I'm not sure I see it that way. Yeah, so I think actually you're right. So, so that immunisation is one of the few indicators in that in the entire report that isn't directly, uh. obviously linked to uh, to uh, deprivation. Now, having said that, um, what we're seeing is I think with immunisation is a slightly more complex picture, which is um, the the kind of the the movement of, of the anti-vaccination movement and the the issue around uh, fake news and, and social media and yes. that and that push about um, about the, the 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 evidence of uh, of, of the now discredited evidence, by the way, that um, immunizations are related yeah. to other significant yeah. illnesses. So that is something that we absolutely have to tackle. But in order to do that, we have to be able to invest in our public health services, uh, in our immunization services, so that we reach the people who, uh, who maybe aren't so keen about uh, immunizing their children and actually explain to them and show them how important it is to, to, to be able to do that. Now, you, 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 the, the report has, has identified deep cuts to local authority budgets as, as a driving factor. 
Um, what is it that local authorities have been providing that they no longer provide that seems to be tipping the scales in such a negative direction? Yeah, so, so we've seen the budgets for public health services slashed over the last decade. And actually what that equates to is we've seen a third of sure start centres, which support early um, uh, uh, young families, uh, about a third of them co- uh, closed in the last decade. We've seen falls in the number of health visitors and community nurses who do so much of that critical work yes. in keeping children and young people and their families well in the community. And when we go back to that thing about infant mortality, actually the, the reasons why infant mortality uh, is a problem for us is not because of health care. So in other words, how babies are looked after in hospitals or by GPs. Actually what it is is about keeping mothers healthy, keeping babies um, healthy at home and increasing the rates of things like breastfeeding and immunizations that we know will it will in general keep the population of children and young people healthier in future. And, and those on, are the things on, that are a risk. And on infant mortality, to put it into um, context, the UK comes 23rd out of 27 European countries. I mean, that is poor. The Matthew Wright Show on Talk Radio. This is a survey of more than a 1,000 Conservatives which found that a third of them believe global warming is happening, but people are not to blame. Meanwhile, one in ten of the... Tri- <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> Don't laugh. I just love that it's based on beliefs. You know, this is like witchcraft. That's okay, a belief. It gets better, actually. It gets better. Meanwhile, one in ten of the true blue voters do not accept that climate change is happening at all. And this is my favourite statistic. Nine uh, percent of them replied that they simply don't know. <laughs> have no idea. This is unlikely to go down a storm oh, with campaigning kid Greta Thunberg. Uh, the revelations come as Boris Johnson today is set to chair the first ever oh, Cabinet yeah, Committee yeah. on Climate Change and it, they also come after former Tory MP Claire Perry O'Neill slammed the Prime Minister for being miles off track, that's a quote, uh, with his approach to global warning. Joining us now is someone who I suspect may have a slightly different <laughs> view is. about climate climate change and that's Jonathan Bartley the co-leader of the Green Party. Hello Jonathan. Afternoon to Jonathan. I mean basically do you think that that's the reason that uh, Boris seems to be fairly lackadaisical about climate change particularly with his attitude recently to the flooding in the north uh, because he's playing to his own echo chamber and the Tory party members don't really care that much? I think it's got to be a major factor in it. I mean, I think there's also some truth in the idea of him being a part-time prime minister. And, you know, he always has uh, not liked doing additional work when he doesn't necessarily have to. He showed that when he was mayor of London. He quite likes the spotlight. He doesn't like the hard graft and probably the thought of tramping the country and going to visit those places doesn't appeal to him very much, particularly if he knows he's not going to get a particularly warm welcome there. What, what do you but feel, it, sorry, Jonathan, what do you feel about this? It's, I, it, it riles me, the use of the word believe. Um, believe, it, it, I normally, that, that's the word I associate with religions in which yeah. uh, structures are invented uh, and people uh, subscribe to them based on beliefs, not proofs or science or evidence. Well, that's not climate change. No, no, it's like saying i you know, believe in gravity. Yes. Uh, you know, this, this is science. And this is the thing. It isn't just about climate denial or climate compa- complacency. And incidentally, I think climate complacency is every bit as dangerous as climate denial. But that this survey shows they don't believe the science. You know, it's not yeah. a belief in global It's a belief in, you know, in, in science and what we take to be fact, what we teach our children in school, what people base their careers on. It's like, uh, maths and physics and biology and chemistry. You know, you can't say you don't believe in it. Yeah, 95% of scientists say that they 
that human activity is to blame for the current uh, global warming. Um, Boris Johnson was quoted recently as saying, I don't really get climate change. And I think he meant that electorally. Uh, they certainly didn't make a massive thing about it in the in their recent triumph at the general election. And don't take this wrong. Love you, Jonathan, and all that. But you don't do that well at elections, and the Tories do. So could you explain that? Yeah, I mean, I was pleased that we had uh, climate on the uh, agenda as never before in this general election. But uh, as we know, you know, people get squeezed at general elections. There are a whole load of issues competing at the same time, and it's very hard to get cut through. But uh, what we've seen in the last two years has been this amazing awareness, this amazing growth uh, amongst the wider population of the importance of the climate emergency. And actually, what we're seeing now with coronavirus, and everyone recognizes it's going to have a massive economic impact. I think this is a chance to say, you know, this is an absolute tragedy, but we're going to need financial stimulus, clearly. And this is the chance to push forward that Green New Deal that we talked about in the election. Isn't this the ideal opportunity to provide that stimulus and move to the low carbon economy to, to create an opportunity out of an absolute tragedy? You know, it was the, you know, what Roosevelt did with his New Deal in the, out of the Great Depression. That's how he got the economy going. And the Green New Deal could be an opportunity now. Uh, for us to get that financial stimulus in the face of an economy that's going to really be hurt and also make that move to the low-carbon economy, which we all know we have to make, and we all know we have to make it sooner rather than later. You know, it, this is the frustration is that everyone kind of I think, recognizes it now, but there isn't the political will to make it happen, and that's what we desperately need. Yeah, but I think that this survey reflects a, a kind of complacency. This is a survey among the Conservatives. reflects a wider complacency, and uh, we all appreciate uh, what the Green Party stands for and what you're just saying, but I suspect that people s like to say that they're all in favour of uh, taking measures to uh, bring about a carbon-free economy and uh, to uh, cease the uh, onslaught of global warming, but it's not top of their priorities. Top of their priorities are things like feeding their kids and putting a roof over their heads. So they say that it's very important to them, but in the end it isn't. So what we, I think, need to be better at, I mean, I'm very happy to put my hands up to this as the Green Party, is making those links uh, between cutting people's bills, putting money in people's pockets and moving to the low carbon economy. Because actually, the argument that we're making is that you can get a cheaper cost of living, you can get better wages, uh, you can get you know, reduced fares on public transport, you can live a better uh, life where you are more prosperous, where there's more money in your pocket by moving, moving to the low carbon economy. Because it's the same... You know, big business, big financial institutions that have been making profits off us all that have been destroying the environment. This is a great, this is a great message, Jonathan. Uh, but I have to come back to the question, you know, why have you only got one MP? Why is it not uh, breaking through more to the wider electorate? I think the message is breaking through. The problem is the electoral system. And you can see uh, in Germany, you can see in, in Ireland, you know, all these places where they've got green parties with proportional systems. Uh, that people know that their votes count and they put MPs in Parliament. Now, un even under our results, you know, if we had a fair voting system, we should have 25 MPs just on our general election vote uh, under a fair voting system where you know, seats match the votes cast. Uh, that's the you know, proportion of the population that voted for us in the last election. Now, if we had a proportional system, that number would increase even more because people would know that their votes really, really do count. So 
you know, to get uh, that amount of votes despite the electoral system is a, is a huge achievement in this country. But we do need a change in the system. And if we change the system, actually, we'll change people's lives. And I think that is also a message that, you know, it's slowly getting through. But, of course, you know, if you're a Tory party that benefits from an unfair system, if you're Labour, it also benefits from an unfair <laughs> system. You know, you aren't going to push that forward. And if you enjoyed all of that, make sure you tune in to The Matthew Wright Show with Kevin O'Sullivan every weekday from 1 on Talk Radio. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.